Advent, and uh, as Suzanne mentioned, we're following sort of the traditional Christian calendar, follows four weeks of Advent, and uh, they have themes. The Advent of hope was where we started, and then last week we talked about the Advent of peace. This morning is the Advent of joy. I'm going to start with a story. Um, Some of you know that I was on sabbatical this summer for a couple of months, and we planned, Andre and I prayed about how to make the most of this sabbatical time that we were given, and uh, we weren't initially thinking about one idea, but we ended up coming around to thinking this would be good for our marriage, good for our souls, to do a uh, week-long counseling intensive. So that's not going to be for everybody, I totally get that, but it's basically take a year of counseling in a week with a counselor. And we were going to go to Colorado to do that. Um, Colorado is special to us because um, that's where we both sort of secretly fell in love but didn't really talk about it until we came back here. We were out there for a summer. We really looked forward to this opportunity to be out in Colorado, to invest in our lives and our marriage. And uh, it's kind of actually, I'm starting out with a sad story. It was a bad experience. It was so bad that we left early um, and asked for our money back. Um, we were really, it was grievous. Um, and there's, actually, I'm probably, we'll probably try to go do it again someday. I actually believe in the ministry we worked with. But it was a complete, you know, last week I talked about the wonderful counselor and how the, the, by far the overarching thing that's most important and ends up being most helpful for people in counseling is establishing a client-counselor relationship. Didn't happen. Actually, the opposite of that happened. It was really bad from the beginning. It was really hard. However, after we grieved, and we did grieve that because it took courage to make the decision to do that. It was obviously an investment of time, money, and energy to do that. We decided to make the most of the rest of our week. We had a half a week left. By the way, excuse my cough drop. I'm going to try not to cough really loud into this. I have a lingering cough. Some of you probably have it too. We try not to do that. So there was sadness, and there's a, there's a reason why I'm sharing this sad story first, because it doesn't end with that. We actually really found joy the rest of the week. Um, we decided to leave uh, where we were staying and uh, start someplace new. We drove up the mountains um, to Estes Park. We stayed in a hotel there. We had supper. We started all... We started... Uh, dreaming about something that we could do together, and we kind of went on in this little crazy adventure, kind of not really very well planned out, but it ended up being fun, and it was memorable to our previous experience up there. Um, we, we drove a couple of different places to see different sites and really enjoyed our conversation. We had deep conversation about things that were going on deep in our souls, not necessarily related to our hard experience. And in the end, I think we found joy and delight at the end of that the last half of that week. Today is the advent of joy, and the reason why I'm sharing sort of some grief and sadness is because that's how joy shows up for you and I. It's how joy showed up when Jesus entered the world. He didn't enter the world when everything was going well. There was hard things, actually. As you know, if you read the story, he entered the world as the person of joy, as a child in a manger, sung about by angels, which we just, you know, sing these songs rejoice. Actually, I really love O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. It's probably my favorite Christmas hymn. 
And part of why it's my favorite, it, it does, it's not, we sing the words rejoice, but the melody is pretty haunting, isn't it? It sort of has this mixture of there's grief and sadness, and yet there's a reason to rejoice. And that's kind of how, that's really how it is with Jesus coming into the world. It's not that everything is perfectly nice and wrapped up with a bow like our Christmas presents. Hopefully they stay that way. If you have little kids, you probably have to lock them away for a couple of weeks and then take them out last minute, especially if they're really little. The arrival of joy at Christmas, um, if, if we're not careful in how we think about joy, we can boil it down to something that isn't really substantial. It's more like a box of Christmas candy that you might get. And it tastes really sweet, and you enjoy it, but it doesn't have any lasting satisfaction. And you'll be hungry later, and if you eat too much of it, you might even get sick. If we're not careful with joy, we can sort of change it into this, like, perpetually perky, positive sort of outlook on life where things are going to be okay or they are okay, but it doesn't really have anything that lasts to sustain us. And that's not the picture of joy we see in the scriptures. <clears throat> John 16, 21. I'm going to share a couple of verses. Um, this is an example of joy. I don't have all these verses on the screen. This is an example of joy that arrives in a, in a scene that is not really joy at first. And Jesus spoke this. Many of you have experienced this or you've witnessed it. He said this, when a woman is in labor, she has pain because her time has come. But when she has given birth to a child, she no longer remembers the suffering because of the joy that a person has been born into the world. Now, I know you remember your suffering, and so does Jesus. In the moment is what he's saying. When you have that little one right here, what you just experienced, the pain that you just experienced, fades a bit. Maybe a lot, at least for a few moments. And that's what Jesus is saying. That's really how joy is. is. It's not always good to start with. It actually can be pain. There can be sorrow. There can be grief. There can be sadness. And joy doesn't remove that. It doesn't dissolve the fact that there's hard. When Jesus entered the world, it wasn't like he was saying, there's no more hard anymore. He'll set all things right one day. But when Jesus enters into our lives... He enters the lives that have sadness in them, and he recognizes that. And it doesn't mean there can't be joy, and it doesn't mean that only happy ha-ha is how you have to live the rest of your life. Jesus is, as we're looking at Advent, the source of our hope. We looked at that two weeks ago. Last week, we looked at how Jesus is the source of our peace. This week, we're going to look at how Jesus is the source of our joy. Jesus is the person of joy. So, you probably have heard this story um, in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. I've mentioned it in the past couple of weeks. We mention it most year, years in church around this time of year. In Luke, chapter 1, there was a, a child of joy that was given. Two, there's two, two really surprising children in the, in the nativity story. One of them is Jesus' um, relative, John the Baptist, who was born to a husband and a wife, Elizabeth and Zachariah, who had no hope of having children in their minds. They really didn't have any hope. They're way past childbearing age. And they're given this child. 
And what's, what I love about this, what this picture is Mary, who has Jesus growing in her, goes to visit her relative Elizabeth, who's farther along um, in her pregnancy. And Elizabeth uh, says this, How could this happen to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For you see, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, so when Mary said hi, the baby leaped for joy inside of me. What I like about that is that Jesus was the source of joy in the womb for another living being in another womb. Isn't that cool? The baby leaped for joy. John the Baptist leaped for joy because of Jesus' arrival. And Jesus would go on to make that a big part of his mission. In John 15, near the end of his life, he was speaking to his disciples, and he said this in John 15, 11, I've told you these things so that my joy may be in you, and your joy may be complete. It was a part of his mission in life, of, of life, is to bring joy into the world. What we're going to look at this morning is a book, um, a, a chapter out of the book, Isaiah. It's one of the Old Testament prophets. We've been in mostly um, Old Testament prophets in Advent, because there's a lot of prophecies about Jesus coming. And Jesus coming to fulfill those prophecies is a reason for joy. It's part of why the angels told the shepherds to rejoice. It's why we sing these songs, because what was being looked forward to in these Old Testament prophecies was someone called the Messiah, the Anointed One who was going to bring relief to sorrow, who was going to set things right in the end. Jesus would do that. Of course, we know the life he lived on this earth was a little different than what was expected. He's going to come back and do all of those things once and for all. But Isaiah is written to a people hundreds of years uh, before Jesus was on the earth, to, to the people of Israel, and they were in a bad place. They weren't living in their own country, many of them, had been carried off into exile. They were slaves of another country, really not even, they didn't have control over their own lives, really a sad place. They really wanted, they wanted the Messiah to come. They were looking forward to it. And Isaiah has several long passages and and others that are interspersed that are really a part of his ministry was to try to give hope to the people of Israel that there's going to be a day coming when things will get set right. It looks bad now, but joy is out there. And God has a plan to bring it into our lives. Isaiah also has some passages called the suffering servant passages, which describes prophetic prophecy, a prophecy, a prophetic prophecy. Do you know that prophecies are prophetic? A prophecy about the kind of leader that the Messiah would be, which would be a strange leader, not expected. He'd be one that would suffer. And Isaiah 52 and 53 talk all about, actually, you can't hardly read it if you know the New Testament without thinking about Jesus. And then a couple chapters later in Isaiah 61 is the passage we're going to focus on. And this one's called the Messiah's Jubilee. Now, that's not a part of the original Hebrew scriptures. That's just a description for us to know what this portion is really all about. Jubilee, that sounds fun. Sounds like joy, doesn't it? The year of Jubilee, I'm not going to get into talking about that, but that had to do with how debts were taken care of every 50th year. If you, if you wanted to buy a house or a piece of property, you really were leasing it for a portion of those 50 years, and at the end of 50 years, it would go back to the original inheritance, which is pretty cool. Go, everyone would be partying. We all get our own inheritance back. We just sell it to make our ends meet, but now we get it back. 
That was the idea of Jubilee. Jesus spoke this passage in Isaiah 61 right at the beginning of his ministry. It was to define, this is who I am, and this is why I've come, in uh, Luke chapter 4. So, you know, the, if you know the, the New Testament in, the, in Luke, one of the Gospels, Luke 1 and 2 is really the Christmas story. Luke 3 is a little bit more about John the Baptist and a genealogy of Jesus. And then Jesus goes and gets tempted in the desert by Satan. And then he comes back and then we see him in the synagogue. And he's going to start his official public here, here I am ministry. And this is what he quotes. Luke 60, or Isaiah 61. It's also in Luke 4, um, uh, chapter 4. The Spirit of the Lord God is on me. Because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of our God's vengeance, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, Festive oil, other translations say, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and splendid clothes instead of despair. And they will be called righteous trees planted by the Lord to glorify him. Before I dive too deep into this, because I won't be able to keep making this reference point, but I want you to notice as we read each verse, verse by verse, that it's not all happy joy. There's brokenheartedness that needs to get healed, and it doesn't mean that the brokenheartedness never exists or is eradicated.